first line in that song calls for the faithful, the joyful, the triumphant to come and adore the Christ child. That's a tall order, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I, I have some room for growth in the area of faithfulness. I'm not always the most joyful. My family can attest to that. Um, and it's rare that I feel like such a winner that, I'm, that I am considered by myself to be triumphant. And that's a pretty bold word to say, I'm triumphant. I'm not just a winner, I am triumphant. Maybe if the song said, Oh, come all ye defeated, depressed and doubtful, more of us would feel like standing up and getting on board. Sign me up for that. Yeah, I'll come and adore you. I, I fit that description, perhaps. The first, the first thing is, is faithfulness. Maybe, maybe you were gung-ho in your walk for Christ. When you very first uh, submitted to Christ, when you were very first born again into him, there was no stopping you. You couldn't imagine why everyone you, you knew wouldn't want to have what you have because you were on fire with the gospel. And you were genuinely excited about Jesus, kind of like Peter was, the apostle Peter, when he told Jesus, even if I have to die for you, I, I, will, I will follow you. And Jesus was like, will you, Peter? <laughs> but over time... Maybe your faith was, was challenged by circumstances. Maybe your closest friends and family weren't on board with you, and it made it difficult because the people you worked with and people you lived with, they maybe believed in the same Jesus as you, but they weren't on fire like you were, and eventually it kind of caused your flame to snuff out a bit. Maybe you were discouraged, and you need some kind of a revival to get you faithful again. Faithfulness is a spiritual discipline. And just like Bible reading, prayer, church attendance, giving, tithing, and serving are. And all of us could do more with regard to faithfulness to the Lord. If he really is number one. If we haven't compartmentalized our faith and Jesus is Lord of every area of our lives. My guess is all of us could grow in the area of faithfulness. Joyful. When I was in high school and I'd start to, to get upset about something, I remember my friend Wayne's dad who had been so instrumental in my coming to Christ. I, I remember his dad would say, don't let, don't let him steal your joy. <laughs> I'd go, that. don't let him steal your joy. Joy can get taken if we don't protect it. You'd think everyone would be joyful at Christmas, but man, it's rough out there sometimes. Uh, Friday's my day off. I was home. I was in Plainfield on, on or actually Avon on Friday, driving down US 36 Rockville Road. And I mean, it was bumper to bumper at like 1230. Every parking spot at every restaurant was packed out. And, it, and it's the first week of December. <laughs> I was like, doesn't anyone work anymore? <laughs> I'm never going to get where I'm. It took me 20 minutes just to get down the road to even start my, my trip I was on. What steals your joy? Is it trying to pick out a new health insurance plan for the upcoming year? Is it setting goals at work for the new year and perhaps meeting with a supervisor? Is it fitting in all the extended family gatherings and trying to remember what you're supposed to bring to each one and who's buying for who and, and who isn't exchanging gifts? Maybe it's waiting for a gift that you've ordered to come in the mail. And the party's just three days out and you're running out of time and you're wondering, what will you do if it doesn't arrive? Maybe your energy level runs low because you've stayed up late baking cookies uh, two out of the three nights uh, before work and you're exhausted from that. It starts to steal your joy if you let it. Triumphant. That word to me <clears throat> indicates more than just a C plus, right? <laughs> 
how'd you do? I passed. <laughs> that doesn't sound triumphant, you know. I'm getting her done, status quo, meeting the deadlines. Now, triumphant sounds like your team won the Super Bowl. Triumphant means you killed it. You knocked it out of the park. Uh, you, you come out the best in the whole nation, perhaps. You experienced a landslide victory. That's triumphant. You didn't just win by a narrow margin. Man, I mean, you, you were victorious. When I think of triumphant, I'm sure many of us uh, this season, we think of the kind of year that Western Boone has had. and uh, They won as champions and celebrated it big. I, I get goosebumps uh, every time I see those video clips. I remember when the girls' softball team was escorted out of town with police and fire and so forth. I remember I, by the time I got to the office, I was wiping tears out of my eyes, you know, having pulled over for, for that. And, and I saw that video clip last Saturday. I forget how many fire trucks there were, like a half dozen or more fire trucks, a couple of ambulances, police cars. It was a big deal. Sirens were ringing as they made their way back to and paraded through town. And why? You don't do that after every win, but it, it's a big deal to win state. It was triumphant, wasn't it? And as Christians, we are triumphant in our victory with Jesus. If I could see a printout, a list of every sin that I've ever committed or even thought, because the Bible says, as you think in your heart, so are you. If everything that I've ever done that goes against God's will, every sin I've ever committed, every impure thought was all written out on a receipt, that piece of paper would roll from here all the way to <laughs> south of Florida. <laughs> And then to imagine all of it wiped clean. I'm not forgiven from just one or two sins. You know, Sean's a great guy. He had that one or two, two times he sinned in his whole life. No, it's not like that. I mean, there's no numerical value for the amount of times I have had thoughts that were contrary to the will of God. There's no way to count up all of the times I have sinned. And yet, when I stand before God someday, it'll be as if I had never, ever sinned. Not because of what I've done or not done, but because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. And his all-sufficient blood has wiped away every sin I've ever done. And I can face tomorrow knowing I'm forgiven. And someday, someday, when I'm in heaven... I won't have to worry about, was I good enough? Did I measure up? It's, did I know Jesus? Was I born again into him? Was I filled with his Holy Spirit? Was I living for him, connected to him, following him? Did I know him, really know him? Because if I did, I have nothing to fear. Now, that's triumph. God triumphed all over sin, and he gave me the victory, and he's done the same for you if you'll let him. Life doesn't always feel that way, though, does it? And that's why, with, with the kind of victory that we've talked about, it's special and it's rare. Here's two pieces of good news this morning. You don't have to start out faithful, joyful, and triumphant to come to Jesus. You come just as you are. Repentant, surrendered, to totally throwing yourself before his mercy. But you come just as you are. And two, he is the one who will make you faithful who will make you joyful, who will make you triumphant, so that when we do gather for worship, you are coming to him. You're coming to him faithfully, joyfully, triumphantly, and you're adoring him. The, the Bible actually talks about two kinds of people that Jesus calls to himself. Here are the two kinds of people that we see in Scripture. First of all, the weak and the weary. 
Remember what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28? He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. An even better translation for the word rest there would maybe be relief. Because at the time that Jesus was physically walking the earth, people were living under a burden of legalism. I mean, if I say the word Pharisee or Pharisaical, I mean, immediately we begin to think of someone who is extremely judgmental, someone who puts a burden on others and is constantly evaluating their walk and finding out all of their faults and pointing them out and looking to the law to see where we fall short. The law cannot save you. The Old Testament law could not save a person because we all fall short of it, and that was a heavy burden Last week in our 6th through 8th grade ministry, we talked about a yoke and what a yoke is. And said, if you're yoked together with someone else, and that person jumps off a cliff, especially if they're heavier than you, guess where you're going? (laughs) If you're handcuffed to me, and you're a 6th grader, and I jump off a cliff, (laughs) you better have a parachute big enough for the both of us, because you're going where I'm going. And in this case, this yoke that, that a beast of burden would wear, if you picture a yoke, for those living under the old law, it was burdensome. It was, it was a constant failure. Here's where you don't measure up. <laughs> Here's God's perfection. Here's where you are. <laughs> and it was wearisome. And Jesus said, you come to me, all who are weak and weary, and I'll give you relief from that. I'll give you rest. So he calls the weak and the weary. He also calls lost sinners. We saw that a lot in our previous sermon series where we talked about the people that God calls and how he stops them right in their tracks, even in the midst of their imperfection. And sometimes not just people that have made mistakes, but people who have outright rebelled against him. And we said Saul, the apostle Paul, was in complete opposition to God and was in in route to go and to persecute Christians when he was called to be an apostle. Lost sinners. Matthew 9, verses 12 through 13 says this. But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn, learn, what, this, uh, what, uh, learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I come not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Jesus came to the earth not to show himself as the greatest of all the Pharisees and the one that we should fear the most. Instead, he came for the very purpose of being the great physician who heals us of our sins. He came to be the one who would call sinners to repentance. That's why he came. You hear me say it all the time, but I mean, it's right out of the scriptures. You know, it's not the sick who, who, who need, it's not the, the healthy who need a physician. It is the sick. We don't call people with chest pain sitting in the waiting room of, of an ER about to be checked in. as We don't call them hypocrites for going to the hospital. We say well, that's where they're supposed to be. That's what the hospital's for. But in the church, when your friends hear that you come to church and they know that you're not perfect, they think you're a hypocrite. And I don't understand that because the church is not a haven for the perfect, a hotel for all of us who have got it all together and have no problems in our lives. It is a hospital for the spiritually sick. When I take of the Lord's Supper, it's because I know I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I'm sold out to Jesus. Not because I'm perfect by my own standards, my own abilities. I saw this on Facebook this week, and I thought it was really good. A liberal church says, 
you are welcome here and you do not have to clean up your life. <laughs> a legalistic church says, you are not welcome here until you clean up your life. Jesus says, you are welcome here and I will change your life. He asked the woman caught in adultery, if there was anyone left accusing her, she responded, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus accepts us right where we are, but he changes us. Oh, come, all ye sinners, ye weary and burdened, come to Bethlehem. The bottom line of today's message is we come to Jesus just as we are, but he changes us for the better. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. A new creation in Christ. A new beginning. As we face 2020, as the, the countdown to New Year's begins to come along and people begin to put in place their New Year's resolutions, which usually die sometime shortly before Valentine's Day, this is a bigger deal than setting a New Year's resolution. When you are changed, transformed by Christ, when you're filled with His Holy Spirit, you begin to become more and more like Him. And it is a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, so once we are changed by Christ, we are part of that faithful. O come, all ye faithful. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. He perfects it. And see, when you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you're on the road to a great faith. You know, sometimes I think Satan keeps people at bay because they have just a little bit of doubt. They're you know, they're, they're, they're being objective. They're checking out the claims of Christ. I have always enjoyed talking with people who want to believe but are struggling with it, and they're sincere. Not people that are just trying to debate you for the sake of debate, but people who genuinely want to believe, but they're just hung up on, on, a, on a few things. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. There was a father wandering through the crowds one day listening to Jesus preach. And I mean, you know, I picture this guy, he's desperate. Uh, you know, he, he's got a child who is sick, and he has heard that Jesus is able to, to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And, and he knows if he can just get to this miracle worker, perhaps he can and, and do something. And when he finally gets to Jesus, he pleads, his case, he pleads his case to him, and he says, if you can do something. And Jesus says, if? <laughs> if? I can do something? Let me tell you, all things are possible for him who believes. And the man's response is beautiful. He says, oh, oh I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. <laughs> that sounds almost like an oxymoron. Oh, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. I think it's beautiful. I think that is one of the most beautiful statements, most beautiful responses to Christ, because the guy is being honest. Oh, oh uh, uh, help me with my unbelief. I believe enough to want to believe more. Help me with it. Be the perfecter of my faith. 
And today that might be you. You might be saying, you know, I like the idea of God. I like the idea of the Bible. I like the idea of faith. I like the idea of Christmas, of Jesus coming to earth, born as a baby, living among us, dying for us, conquering death in the grave and living in heaven and promising us eternal life. I like the idea of it, but I'm not 100% convinced. Well, hey, you know what? If you were 100% convinced, you wouldn't have faith. You would know. Faith is believing in that which is unseen. Not a blind leap of faith that believes just because it feels good, but a hopeful, a confident, hopeful faith based on what we do know, based on what the Bible says, the inerrancy of it, based on the historical accuracy, based on the architectural or the, uh, the findings of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Archaeological, thank you, architectural. <laughs> well, they had some beautiful temples back then. The architecture, the, yeah, these, when you find these artifacts and you're able to see them, uh, it, is, it is proof that, uh, that God is, is, is true and that he is right. And that objective faith means so much more. I've always said of Thomas, you know, doubtful Thomas. I'm glad he doubted. I'm glad he said, look, he's dead. He died on the cross. We saw it. We're defeated. It's over. I'll not believe unless I put my finger in the hole in his hand and my hand in the, in the wound in his side. And Jesus appears to him and said, Thomas, put your finger here. Put your hand here. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Thomas was willing to be a martyr for what he saw. And because of that, our faith can be strengthened. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Sometimes, though, when we go through very difficult times and our faith is challenged in go one of two directions, it can squash it or it can make it stronger. It's always difficult when, when you're dealing with the loss of a loved one near the holidays. Um, I was thinking about being a fairly new Christian, a little less than four years, three years into Bible college, and uh, my grandma Johnson had come to hear me preach on Sunday morning, and uh, she sat right out there and listened to me preach, and she was only 60 years old, and uh, had a great interaction with her that, that morning. I went back to Bible college. The next morning, I'd gone to Lifetime Sports Bowling, I think. <laughs> and when I got back to the apartment, my roommate had left me a note on the kitchen counter. Call your mom. And it was my grandma's phone number. And I thought, mom's at work. And he didn't say anything. I said, what's up? I said, why are you so, what's wrong with you? Why do you look so depressed? <laughs> and I dialed the number, and my Uncle Kenny answered, also should have been at work. I said, Uncle Kenny, what's going on? What, what are you doing there? He goes, hey, hey, bub, wait a minute, let me get your mom. Wait, wait a minute, let me get your mom. What are you doing there, Uncle Kenny? Why are you there? Let me get your mom. Wait just a minute. My mom came to the phone, and she said, honey, Grandma had a massive heart attack this morning, and she's with Jesus. November 17th, November 18th, I'm sorry. Her birthday was November 21st. And because they did not want to bury her on her birthday, they did an autopsy that afternoon, managed to have her ready. I've told Shauna before, she looked so beautiful and peaceful, I had a hard time accepting she was really passed away. <laughs> she looked like she could have just sat up and started talking with all of us. 
That was the day after she died. Then the next day was her funeral and burial. And the next day was her birthday. I had ordered for her, for her birthday, a beautiful Thanksgiving centerpiece. Because Thanksgiving was close enough after her birthday, I thought, oh, this would be wonderful. I had two candles in it. I sprung for the bigger of the two for a college kid. That was kind of a big deal. And, uh, and I remember making that horrible phone call to the florist to cancel that order. And they said to me, they said, we already have. And, uh, and you just think, how can you go on? And you gather as a family and you grieve together in a way that is just absolutely uh, profound uh, to deal with in sorrow. But listen to what Isaiah 43 verses 2 through 3 says. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom. Cush and Seba is in exchange for you. There is nothing that is withheld from us. As you walk through the fire, as you go through the flame, I will be with you. The name Emmanuel means God with us. And we are so blessed that when we go through difficulties in life and when things are thrown at us right before the holidays, right before Thanksgiving or right before Christmas or you're dealing with, with a health issue of your own or it's the death of a dream due to, to finances or to failing out of college or, or to not getting the job or the promotion that you wanted and you think to yourself, I don't know how I can endure this season and I don't know how I can be faithful. I want you to know that you will not be alone. And if you look to Jesus... He will be with you, and your faith will only be perfected and made stronger in the midst of your weakness. Which brings us to the second thing. We are joyful. Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. When we receive Christ Jesus, and when we are filled with His Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that was part of the miraculous conception and the same Holy Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead fills us with a supernatural gift, a fruit of the Spirit that we bear that is called joyness, that is called joy. Happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Jesus. And he is the constant in the midst of, of this world. Luke 2, verses 10 through 11 says, And the angels said to them, the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Those shepherds <laughs> had a visitation of angels. Hearing them proclaim that good news. We're filled with a, a kind of joy that is just unspeakable joy. And we have the same joy today because we know of the same Savior. John 15, 11, in the New Living Translation, not my favorite translation, but I like it for this verse. Uh, Jesus says, as we, the, the branches, stay connected to him, the vine... He says, I have told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy and that your joy may overflow. Not just complete, not just satisfied, satiated, if you will, but so full that you will overflow with it. 
And the reason I like that, because if you're filled with the joy of the Lord, it's going to overflow. And when something overflows, guess what? Everything around it gets splashed on. <laughs> and if you've got the joy of the Lord deep within you, if you're able to come to him faithful and joyful, then all of those around you this Christmas season are going to get splashed on by the joy of the Lord that's just overflowing from you. One final thing, and that is the triumph. We are triumphant. Merriam-Webster defines triumphant this way. As a verb, it is rejoicing or celebrating victory. <laughs> that's triumphant. Or as an adjective, it is noticeably successful. Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7, gave this prophecy of Jesus. It said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. See, he's the one who will do it. It's, it is resting on his shoulders, everything, and he is all of those things for us. Our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of, of peace. And that is victory. <laughs> no matter what we go up against in this life, if, if that's what you have, and we're promised that we do, for unto us is given a Savior. Powerful words. Jesus helps us become more faithful, more joyful, more triumphant. Bethlehem means bread. city or The town of bread means bread. And Jesus is the bread of life. He is the king over all the angels. So all of those powerful angels that appeared to those tough, rugged shepherds that forced them to the ground and, and the brightness sh was shocking to them. For however great those created beings were, and I say created beings, Jesus is king over them. <laughs> Not one of them, over them. The creator of them. He created them, and as spectacular as they are, if an angel appeared to us right now, I'm convinced that every one of us would be blinded by the brightness and knocked to, to the ground before them, and those are only created beings of the one who was born in Bethlehem, of the one who is the king over the angels. O come, all ye faithful, not because we are, but because he is, and adore him, Christ the Lord. This week, this uh, country song was on my mind. Um, Brantley Gilbert took this old, familiar, I guess it would be called a hymn, sung at almost every Billy Graham crusade, and he applied it to his battle with alcoholism. Uh, at the time that he wrote this song, Brantley Gilbert had not tasted a drop of alcohol in 11 years. Uh, he's rough, and he talks about beer a lot in his songs, <laughs> But he himself conquered this beast, and this is what he, listen to the words as he talks about how he quit trying to win the battle on his own and turned it over to the Lord, and how hard that was to fully surrender. But he came just as he was, not faithful, joyful, and triumphant, but broken. 
He said, you said come just as you are, skin and bones smelling like a bar. You sure you want me there this way? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm on my way. I'll grab this bottle just in case. I'm just too ashamed to pray. Well, I'm bringing this burden to you now. Yeah, the prodigal son returns. The only way that I know how. The only way I know how. I'm going to drive my steel horse down to the altar. Put my hands on the tank and pray. Lord, I ain't got much to offer. And I ain't trying to die this way. So may this bottle be the body and this bourbon be the blood. If I pour it out, will you take my offering? Give me the strength to never pick it up? Yeah, here I stand just as I am. You know, most folks don't understand that I'm talking about pouring out my best friend. Oh, it sounds so bad, but that's how it is. And that's why it's got to end. Lord, I've tried it by myself. Forget my pride. I need your help. I'm going to drive my steel horse down to the altar, put my hands on the tank and pray. Lord, I ain't got much to offer, but I ain't trying to die this way. So may this bottle be the body. May this bourbon be the blood. If I pour it out, will you take my offering? Give me the strength to never pick it up. Here I stand just as I am. So fill that river full of tears and whiskey, blood I've spilled and the wars I've waged, a thousand loved, lost, heartbroken memories, scars on the heart and the skin I'm wearing. Raise me up a brand new man so I can face this world just as I am. You said come just as you are, skin and bones and broken heart. You kept your word and here I stand, born again just as I am. Now, maybe you don't face the same demon that he faced. But what is it that keeps you from being able to come adore him? What is it that prevents you from being faithful, joyful, and triumphant? This morning, the king of angels is willing to take that burden from you. Cast it on him. Come to him, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and he will give you relief.